0: And five, five, This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And welcome to episode 113 of this podcast for the new evangelization. Now, before we get into it, Father, uh, are you recovered from your little run this weekend?
1: My wee little run? Yeah, yes. I, well, no, I'm not recovered at all. I'm t- tired. <laughs> I'm so tired, so dis- so disorganized. I don't know if uh, the dear listeners will notice a substantial difference in the quality <laughs> of my uh, interventions and uh, commentary in this podcast, but I uh, I ran a marathon on Sunday uh, with a group uh, with, as part of the um, St. Louis Rock and Roll Marathon, and uh, running with a group called Life Runners who raise money for crisis shelters. And uh, you know, twenty six point two miles is a long way.
0: That's what I hear.
1: I think it would have been much happier with only running uh, uh, twenty six miles. Uh.
0: The last fifth was a killer, huh? Oh yeah, the last fifth of mile just killed me.
1: Um, no, so I'm just incredibly tired. I was saying that to Dr. Bergwald just uh, before we started, and even maybe now a little more detail. But just yeah, I uh, uh, body just feels set. I don't feel sore. Um, no injuries. Didn't hurt myself. Joints and things like that are good. I'm just depleted. Hmm.
0: And is that? Pres- Presumably, is that a normal course of events for a first-time marathon runner afterwards?
1: Uh, I think so,
0: yes. Okay. I would guess so. I mean... Um,
1: I think for, well, well, for a marathon runner, I think as if maybe an Olympic class one is probably a normal okay. course of events, too. so.
0: Okay. Well, I hope that um, you get repleted quickly.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: Yes. So... um so to today's topic we are a couple weeks into our year of faith uh and just a couple things that i want to reiterate before we get into more of the substance of 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 the theme for today um I, I think i've mentioned father a couple weeks ago i had mentioned that uh, well we've talked before about the holy father's desire that that catholics everywhere and uh, far as they're able to read the documents of of the Second vatican council and as well as the catechism of the catholic church um and as I've been giving uh, a couple talks as the year of faith gets underway here, uh, I, I've been keen on a couple of things. First of all, just the, the the reality, the practical dimension of reading those, um, re- reading the Vatican II and especially the Catechism, because of its sheer size, can be intimidating or daunting or both to some Catholics. Um, and what I try to encourage people is, is is that ordinary, everyday Catholics have read these texts and find them rich and fruitful. Uh, but but also, in order to make um, responding to the Holy Father's invitation a little less daunting, um, I'm creating creating um, the gerund form there. It's an ongoing project, um, creating a gospel. A gospel. I'm creating a gospel. I thought that the first four we had, um, they could use a little supplementation. So a little tweaking. To, yeah. Um, no, I'm creating a glossary, or two glossaries actually. Um, one for the Documents of Vatican II, one for the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, so created or, or written in such a way that they'll explain – Ideally, every word, phrase, or concept that an ordinary everyday Catholic might not understand. So, I had ordinary everyday Catholics. We talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. A few weeks ago, um, Renee Leach and Jockin Polkinghorn are the my readers, and they uh, they let me know the things they don't get, and then I um, explain those things in these glossaries. And you can find them on our desis website. There's a link to the Year of Faith. You can just go to sfcatholic.org/slash Year of Faith, um, and you'll the final explanation of the Year of Faith, and then links to both of those glossaries. Um, as I said, the works in progress. I've got glossaries up for um, the Constitution and Secret Liturgy, for the Dogmatic Constitution and Divine Revelation from Vatican II, and then making really good progress in the Catechism. I've got glossaries up, entries up, for the two prefatory documents by John Paul II, just right ready to get into paragraph one of the catechism itself. So, uh, got a long ways to go, but it'll be good.
1: It would be very good to have that available. I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to have someone pointing that down in a lot of ways, I think for your average everyday Catholic.
0: Exactly. Um, you know, we, we, Talk about how you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. But I found that when I mean the fact of the matter, and and Father, you know, just doing it, it, it's been very. It's, Father, have you ever heard of the curse of knowledge? metaphor uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Go ahead. The, the curse of knowledge. It's it's a it's a, um, a tongue-in-cheek con- phrase concept. It's just the reality that we all have of when you come to know something well. Or even very well, perhaps. It's easy to forget what it was like before you knew it. Yeah. Um, And so, so for me, you know, I I I, I make um, I'm I'm very um, I try hard to make sure that when I give presentations that I that, that I don't use. Um, terminology that people don't, won't, don't understand. Um, I, I make an effort to make sure that my presentations are always understandable. And so with the catechism, I, I, I try to explain things that people, may, uh, that people might um, find uh, difficult to understand. However, um, just going through this with John and Renee, there have been words that they asked about that honestly I would have forgotten, that, that I would, def- I'll give you an example, ecclesial. Ecclesial, dear listener, if you don't know what that means and you wouldn't be alone, it means it means pertaining to the church as an adjective. So an ecclesial document is a document by the church. An ecclesial community is... synonym for the church Um, one of my readers said what's ecclesial mean and that's a word that I wouldn't have guessed people um, might not know what it means so it's just been really good to have these ordinary everyday Catholics read these because they find little things like that as well as the things that I would have caught but they find all these words so hopefully I can explain them well enough for others to understand too
1: which is a a great thing to remember Uh, and even for you yourself dear listener as you've gotten into the life of the church the bit that you yourself have picked up some of these words and these phrases, and then when you use them talking to, you know, uh, Joe Sixpack on the streets, your coworkers, your neighbors, you know, language like that may not always have meaning. Sometimes you have to take the time to explain, to teach some of those words and be attentive to or sensitive to those words that you use that they might not always use.
0: Right. That's a great point, Father. For all of us, we have to remember um, that it's really important that we speak. um, One of the terms that was pointed out in Dave Verbum, the Dogmatic Constitution, Divine Revelation, um, got the divine condescension which yeah. sounds, uh, sounds what do you mean, God talks God down to us? God looks
1: down his nose at us?
0: Yeah. Well, he does talk down to us, he talks to us at our level he talks to us in a way that we will understand, not with arrogance, not with a sneer, of course, which is the connotation that condescension has in ordinary language uh, but he does speak to us in a way that we'll be able to understand it and it's important that all of us um, do, do the same when we're talking with others who may not be on the same page as we are so yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Father. So anyway, so creating this glossary, you can find it again at the website, um, and and the thing that I want to reiterate that I said before, but I, it's so crucial, the Holy Father's clear that he does he's not asking us to read this simply so that we'll know what we believe as Catholics more. In other words, simply that we won't be better informed Catholics. Obviously, he wants that, and obviously that will. Happen um, If we read these prayerfully and carefully, but he also desires that by reading these texts, we will come to know and love Jesus Christ present to us, particularly in and through the church in a greater way. I remember, um, Father, when, when we were first talking about Porta Fide last fall, the document in which the Holy Father announced the year of faith. Uh, one of the points that he makes in there really stuck out to me he talked about the catechism and he makes I'm paraphrasing here but he says something to the effect that what you find here on the pages of the catechism page after page what you find here is not some theory but is an encounter with a person who lives in the church person with a capital P. So, when we read the Catechism and the, the, also the documents about it and do prayerfully and carefully, um, we learn what the Jewish teaches, but even more importantly, we grow in knowledge and love in our relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: Well, that's, which has always been a hallmark of authentic Christian teaching, is that the person the teaching are never separated. There isn't this mm. division uh, in, in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, there's this union between the uh, what he teaches and who he is and that right. to know his teachings is to know him
0: right i mean you can't yeah that, that's always an artificial divide um we talk about how jesus is the fullness of of god's revelation jesus is the word um spoken by the father so everything the father desires to say has been definitively said in the incarnation in 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 the life and actions and teachings of jesus so um, again, we've sort of talked about that before. The, the the thing that that Father and I want to focus in a little bit more on is uh, a new initiative during the Year of Faith that the that, that Pope Benedict is undertaking to further this conversation about um, about our faith being something that's, in a sense, alive, something that um, is real, something that changes us. Um, he, as you may know, uh, I think we've, we've looked at some of these audiences before, but every, virtually every Wednesday of the year, um, and this has been going on for a few decades now, um, the, the popes will have an audience with pilgrims who come um, To come to rome to see him so sometimes much of the year it's held outdoors in st Peter's square but um during the frigid roman winters (laughs) when when it gets down to about 30 i think even um the it's held inside in the uh, paul the sixth um audience hall and 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 these these at these audiences uh John Paul II really started making these catechetical opportunities. Um, other popes have been doing it actually for decades and decades where they'd greet the pilgrims and so on. But John Paul II really started to take advantage of these regular meetings to provide a teaching. Uh, and the first series of teachings that he did lasted five years, and that was Theology of the Body. So they, 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 what, what the popes have been doing, JP two, then Benedict following him, is they'll, they'll just give um, basically a speech – on uh, one particular aspect of an ongoing theme. Um, and Benedict, for the last year or so, the, the, the theme that he's been discussing week in and week out has been prayer. And he went through Scripture, looking at what we find about prayer and Scripture, and then more recently he's been looking at prayer as we find it in the liturgy. <laughs> Um, how we, we, we grow in the, the school of prayer, which is the church's liturgy. But he, he last Wednesday, um, said that he's going to interrupt that series of cateche- catechetical addresses on the school of prayer for the year of faith. So he's going to take a timeout, an extended timeout, so to speak, um, from the series on the school of, of prayer to talk about uh, faith and the year of faith and the impact that faith um, uh, can and should have. And Father and I are just going to talk about this this address a little bit. And if you, if you look up on, you can find these addresses online. Um, again, they're given every Wednesday. And initially, uh, for the first several days, so in other words, the second half of the week usually, there's just a short English summary. But by uh, the following Wednesday, certainly, you'll find the entire address. He, he gives the more extended, the full presentation in Italian. And so the Vatican translators have to do their thing, and and they take a few days to translate the full presentation from Italian into the various modern languages. Um, You can find then, about a week later, the English translation of the full address. So this is the general audience from Wednesday, October 17, 2012. Um, if you want to look this up, but one thing that he says near the end, he, he sort of says what he's going to do for this year. He says, In the catechesis of the year of faith, I would like to offer some help for achieving this journey of taking up and deepening knowledge of the central truths of our faith concerning God, man, the church, and the whole social and cosmic reality about the whole reality by meditating and reflecting on the affirmations of the creed. so what Benedict wants to do is deepen our faith, particularly by looking at, at the content of of the creed and I um, I don't know for certain, but I presume that's going to be the Nicene Creed and he goes on he says, I would like it to be clear that this content or truth of faith bears directly on our life. It asks for a conversion of life that gives life to a new way of believing in God. Knowing God, meeting him, deepening your knowledge of the features of his face is vital for our life so that he may enter into this profound dynamics of the human being. So what he's saying is this series, he's not just going to – again, just as with documents of Vatican II, just as with the Catechism, the Holy Father is not going to look at the Nicene Creed and the affirmations uh, uh, that we find in the creed, the teaching of the creed, just so that we know more. But He's going to do it so that that knowledge will lead to a conversion of life, will lead to a deepening of the new way – the new kind of life that our faith provides. Um, so we come to know and see God more. And Father, that's just, I know we're going to go back and look at an earlier paragraph in the audience, but but that uh, just the way he expresses that, uh, very Benedictine, so to speak, in the sense of, of his approach, uh, but but so, for me, so attractive and makes it so inviting and frankly exciting.
1: Very much so. And I, I think and that's, again, as you say, a hallmark of Pope Benedict, but maybe a good way to think about it is just that... The dynamic of any personal relationship with others that the more we get to know a person about them, who they are, the less we're able to just uh, – uh, the less likely it is that we are, are not to be changed or the more likely it is that we are to be changed uh, to encounter someone. The more that you um, – uh, how many years have you been married now?
0: Thirteen.
1: Thirteen. Right. So you certainly have changed and developed and grown, I'm guessing, in the 13 years of marriage. Absolutely right and it, and it st- and it always has to be grounded in a true knowledge of who your spouse really is right if you try to grow, if you try to change based upon who you think or who you would like your spouse to be, you know it's typically not going to lead towards a happy marriage
0: no exactly so. yeah that that just with that knowledge comes um with authentic knowledge accurate knowledge true knowledge um, it, it does it allows me to love her more allows us to love God more um, and that in turn ha- also has an impact on me um, so I again I'm very excited to see where this this series goes from the Holy Father another another paragraph that I was um, really struck by earlier it's the fourth paragraph uh, of, of his address, Um, last Wednesday he says however let us ask ourselves is faith truly the transforming force in our life in my life or is it merely one of the elements that are part of existence without being the crucial one that involves it totally With with the catechesis of this year of faith let us make a journey to reinforce or rediscover the joy of faith in the knowledge that it is not something extraneous detached from daily life but it is its soul faith in a god who is love who makes himself close to man by incarnating himself and by giving himself on the cross who saves us and open the door opens the doors of heaven to us once again clearly indicates that man's fullness consists solely in love i want to go back and just explain a line in there that 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 with some verbiage there but that, that really was powerful to me. He says, "Let's during this this these series of of presentations, um, let's reinforce and rediscover the joy of faith in the knowledge that our faith is not something extraneous. I mean, it's not external to us. It's not something that's in a sense outside of us and that we just sort of put on like we put on our clothes. Now, let's rediscover our faith." Um, and what happens then it becomes detached from daily life, but what he desires is that, that, that our faith become the soul of daily life, that our faith um, be, be, be integrated into everything that we do, so that everything we say, everything we think, everything we do, every sphere of our existence, father, um, is shaped and transformed by what we believe and by how we believe.
1: Very much uh, very much so, and of course, which is the mission, which is the calling of, of the faith, what it means to have a faith, a worldview, a vision of life. That it's more than just simply, you know, the one hour, one, uh, one day a week. Um, but a, a global, if you will, uh, a, a total way of viewing things.
0: Yeah, so in that way we could say that Catholicism is totalitarian, I think, Father. Would you agree?
1: <laughs> no Catholicism is Catholic
0: oh oh oh
1: it's universal well, it's
0: total you, you, you just said total so I thought of totalitarianism uh, but the, actually the, the, just to go with I was that for a minute of, uh,
1: total uh, breakfast cereal which is a complete uh, amount of your vitamins and minerals Pals- on a daily basis <laughs> you need eight bowls of Wheaties
0: <laughs> I forgot those commercials that's awesome <laughs> um
1: 24, no, actually, also shredded wheat
0: yes the, so that's uh Catholic faith right there and uh shredded wheat really really I think they made the comparison with shredded shredded wheat can we go with frosted mini wheat oh no, anyway okay um but, but it, it, I mean, it, the uh you know totalitarianism is you know forms of government like communism and so on where where it's an external, the extraneous imposition the Holy Father says our faith isn't. Um where where somebody is trying to control from the outside every dimension of our lives. And Father, I think sometimes um people do look at our faith that way Oh, always the church to tell me what to think of that as is this external imposition but the holy father's point is that really it, it ought to and and when catholic catholic faith is as it should be in us it it's that it's the soul it comes within it gives shape to it from within, it's not something that's imposed from without, but it's something that is that grows and is nurtured from within, and therefore gives life to us, as opposed to some artificial in, imposition.
1: You know, I, I, as we're talking about this and, and thinking about uh, Pope Benedict's words, I'm thinking of uh, G.K. Chesterton, the great uh, uh, Catholic apologist in the early 20th century, and his words about orthodoxy. You know, and he uh, he introduces uh, or he speaks in his book. Um, you know, saying that uh, people have fallen into a foolish habit of speaking of orthodoxy or right teaching, right belief, as something heavy, humdrum, and safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there was never anything so perilous or exciting as orthodoxy. Uh, it was sanity to be sane is more dramatic than to be mad. Mm. And so, I think you know, Pope Benedict giving that inv- invitation for us to go back into uh, the excitement of the, uh, the the excitement of orthodoxy, the excitement of true Catholic teaching. And that when we don't dive in, we're missing the exciting parts of life.
0: Yeah, di- and diving is the key. You know, I was talking to a to a friend recently um, who was a little bit frustrated with uh, church teaching in particular matter, and um, I, I I said, "Well, have you have you looked into to why the church teaches?" Or no, I didn't say that. Why do you think the church teaches that? No, because that's what that's what the pope says, or you know, whatever. I said. And I, I just commented um, that one of the things that I love about being Catholic and one of the reasons that I, when I came back to um, uh, I, I, into a relationship with God, um, I, I came back to the Catholic Church – there's always an answer to our questions why, but the thing is we have to ask. I mean, we have, yeah. we have to we have to investigate. I mean, it takes we have to, we have to put the the work in ourselves. And when we do that, we find that there are answers. And and, and you, you know, with Chesterton's quote, it's exciting. I mean. I, that, I got excited that you know what these things about that I've always done for 20-some years as a Catholic um, when I was in college uh, these things that I've always done there are reasons for it. this is reasons why we do what we do why we believe what we believe and and I found that to be very exact very exciting as Chesterton said
1: I still I, I still remember the thrill of picking up the Gospel of John reading its sixth chapter about the Eucharist after I Kind of was doing some of my own personal investigations into the faith um, while, while in college. And like, holy cow, the Bible is so Catholic.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, both of us, I think we were, uh, you were studying chemistry first, right, in college? Yes. Right? In fact, yeah. my undergraduate degree is in chemistry. Okay. So you, you finished. I, I started, I didn't conclude my degree in, in, in this, but I started college studying um, aeronautical engineering. And so, you know, both of us coming from a background of, of studying of science, of, of mathematics, you know, of very rigorous thinking in that way. Uh, and, and we both... Um, you know, in, in maybe in our own ways, but we discovered the, uh, with enthusiasm, the excitement that Chesterton talks about, about our Catholic faith. Amen. Yeah. And I
1: think, and that Pope Benedict in the year of faith precisely wants the whole of the church to at least take the, uh, that, that invitation, um, hopefully in full, but at least, even, even just a partially, just if our eyes would be opened a little more. Uh, to uh, to reinforce or to rediscover the joy of faith, as he says.
0: Yeah, it, it, exactly, the joy of faith. I, and I, when I've talked about it, I, I um, I'm reminded of of, of uh, a prayer of Saint Teresa of Avila: "Lord, save me from gloomy saints." Yeah. The way that's obviously paraphrased, Lord, save me from dour-faced Christians. Um, so that we're supposed to be joyful um, and excited about our Catholic faith, not something well we put up with because I'm Catholic or uh, I live this dreary way so I can get to heaven, the pie in the sky, blah, blah. Um, it's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to be invigorating. It's supposed to be joyful. We're supposed to be enthusiastic. And that's what the Holy Father wants, sort of a, the way I described it recently. Um, in, a, in a sense, I think the Year of Faith could be considered a, um, a pep talk, um, a pep rally for uh, for our faith to get excited again about being Catholic, about being Christian, about following Jesus Christ in His Church. Hop, hop, hop! Pipp, perry. Oh, wait, okay. So, no. <laughs> Father. Anything else from? Um, I mean, those just a little snippets. So we just sort of keyed off of those couple paragraphs from the uh, the audience from His address last Wednesday. Anything else that you saw that you want to comment on in particular right now?
1: No, I I, I think we just encourage it. So this is part of the, uh, just not to lose, uh, um, or maybe I guess I should say, for those who are listening, you know, we're all committed in some way. I'm guessing if you're taking the time to download, uh, to listen, to labor through, uh, <laughs> such a yes. dull podcast. In some way, you must be hungry for the truth. In some way, to remember though that when you're talking to people who aren't uh, as hungry or haven't awakened as hunger, you also, in some ways, too, need to figure out how can I awaken their excitement as well to that. And the primary thing to be praying for them uh, yeah. to awaken within them uh, their desire to know the truth, their confidence that they can know the truth about God and the world. And uh, and then maybe just an encouragement as well to be sensitive to or to learn those ways uh, of those things that they are interested in as you talk with them. You know, to try and have uh, your interests or your information about the faith and the truth of the faith to match their
0: interests. Yep. Again, be condescending. That's the takeaway from this, mm-hmm. Father Dickinson. It's not a message
1: Chris- podcast, but if you do have a message for you.
0: Be condescending. Be condescending. Maybe that'll be. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Speak to them where they are. Find out what. Find. Look for the openings. That's what I was telling somebody just the other day, actually, um, who was wondering how they could reach somebody. Is you know, pray, as you said, Father, pray, uh, and then look for the openings, the ways that they maybe the little hooks that we can grab onto, um, and hopefully, be God's instrument in leading this person closer to faith in His Son in His Church. So. Amen. All right. Well, we will uh, wrap things up. That'll be it for this episode, episode 130 of Ignition. And I didn't mention it the beginning, but if you've persevered to the end, you've probably heard me say it before. I always happy to hear topics for future episodes and any feedback from this or other episodes in the past. And you can send those to me by email at Bergwald at C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Thanks and God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignition. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, you can email me at cbergwald@sfcatholic.org. At That's c b u r g w a l d at sfcatholic.org. Again, thanks for listening.